Let's talk about what good looks like. This is going to be a great episode. In this episode, I'm going to talk about what's healthy and good can look like in all the different aspects. But I want to be clear, it's not about good or bad or judgment or evaluative. It's giving ourselves North Stars. It's saying, look what's possible. We can go to the moon. We need this. We need that inspiration, but it's not about making checklists as to what you need to work on. This is Aliveness, the show that explores how to create the changes you need to make to experience the sense of aliveness you're longing for and how the power of plant medicine can accelerate that process for you. I'm your host, Allison Crossweight, a guide and former psychotherapist here to empower you to break out of your old patterns shift into a new state of being and ignite your aliveness. As I said, no judgment. Always bringing self-compassion to ourselves. Always. These are categories and ideas. And this is a podcast. So our minds are very active here. But most of what I'm talking about here is not a mental intellectual exercise. It's a way of being. And the mind needs these types of things so that when it has the body, the heart, the soul have experiences, the mind can give them a name and go, oh, that's a good thing. (laughs) Because the mind really needs to know that this is good. So that's what we're doing here. All of these things will happen supernaturally. They're all natural states of being for all of us. So you don't have to try, but we're helping the mind out here by saying, hey, what if you just went over here a little bit? Or if you have this experience, you can classify it as a positive. And this is how I work with people. Yes, I support them with tools, practices, experiences that stretch them in all of these directions. Then we can say, oh, look at that. This is very good. This is excellent. And there is some danger to this because the mind can, instead of taking it and receiving it and using it as inspiration, it can get really intense and tell us we need to do this or we need to do this, or you already know this, why are you not this way, this type of thing. So you really want to watch out for this. You want to engage with this very light and gentle. You know, mindset work is really valuable. Positive thinking is really valuable. Reframes, super good. Always a new way to see things, which is part of what we're doing in this podcast. But the mind is only one piece of the puzzle. It has to be in balance with everybody else. It has to play with all the other aspects of our being. It's a team member. It is not in charge. So notice your mind is, most of our minds are very bossy. They think they're in charge. And our culture just feeds this bossy mind. Oh my God, there's so many ways we can trick ourselves. So just notice like, yeah, that's great. That's a great thought. Thank you, mind. But we're going to go back to how are we feeling right now? Because how we're feeling in our body and our heart, this is what's important. And what we get excited about, that's what's important. There's a big 
false statement out there that gets said. Our thoughts control the world. Our thoughts control our reality. And to a point, that's true. I can choose to see things in lots of different ways to an extent. There's a couple ways in which this is so false and it's so toxic. So first off, when we have a lot of trauma and in general, we can't control our thoughts. We can't control what comes to our mind. The wildest things can come to our mind and we can choose how we, how we engage. Yes. And as we heal some of our traumas and, and wounds, we have more power to make that choice, but it is not always up to us. And certainly there've been many times in my life and I've worked with many people who are at the mercy of their thinking and that's real. So it can be really gaslighting to say to people, oh, your thoughts create your reality and you should change your thinking. The other piece of the puzzle here is your thoughts, my thoughts. Yeah, you know, there's lots of ways we can adjust those that make our lives better or worse. But that volcano that just went off in Hawaii and erupted after decades, I don't think it was responding to our thoughts. I think it was really erupting. And I suppose there's some people who might argue that, but my experience of life is that life is living. Life is living all around, outside. Nature is living. It's living. And my thoughts do not control that. And my thoughts do not control my body to a point they can. But my thoughts do not control my body. They do not control whether I can have children. They do not control my health. And when we start to tell people that their thinking determines their life, we are shaming anybody who has any kind of challenge in life. So we have to be really careful about how we talk about this. Okay, so all that being said, let's talk about what's healthy. So in the physical, things that are important are all the systems of the body operating. Are we breathing? How is our heart and our cardiovascular system? How's our reproductive system, our digestive system? All these pieces of the puzzle. How are we sleeping? What's our mobility like, our flexibility? All of these pieces are not secondary. They are crucial parts of our healing. And if one of these or any of the other multiple physical things that can be in our awareness and part of our experience are forefront, that needs to be addressed in a forefront kind of way. And functional medicine, allopathic medicine. These are very, very important pieces of the puzzle as are a myriad other physical ways of approaching our healing. Strength is important. Strength is important and it means something different for each of us. Presence, our ground, our presence, feeling our feet, feeling our body. 
our level of energy, how we're sleeping. Also, money comes into the physical because we wouldn't need money if we didn't have a physical body. So challenges around money, um, whether it's holding it, spending it too much, not able to earn, um, fears, all of these things can be, need to be addressed as part of our journey. And that's certainly been a big part of my journey and continues to be. Okay, so let's look at the emotional. What does healthy look like and the emotional? Emotional health is having access to the full range of emotions in a flow state. So not stuck, but flowing. Anger, tears, joy, fear, they all exist. And I'm not one of those people who says, oh, there's only five or there's only 10. Whatever you call an emotion is an emotion but letting yourself have all the experiences and feelings, expressing your needs and having relationships that give you energy where you're able to have boundaries, be yourself, and yet also intimately connect on a heart level with other people. This is all part of emotional health. And then finally on the emotional side, something I call creative grieving. We all grieve in our lives for different things. And ultimately, we all lose people that we love in various forms. And this is a part of being human. And to the extent that we can be propelled forward by those losses and make use of the love and the loss to become more, to love more, to express more, to hold more, that is a thriving human life. And grief can be one of the biggest challenges that we encounter. And it takes time working with grief. So back to the mental, what are some aspects of mental health? Curiosity, being able to change your mind. So not overthinking and rumination but having the mind in balance with the other parts of us, not needing to understand everything, being able to let things go, understanding or being curious about opinions that are different. Like, how is it that this person who believes the opposite thing to me, how are they putting together the world? Like really being able to be curious and sustaining that type of inquiry. A relatively quiet mind at times is something that, we can aspire to, to not be attached to our thoughts, to go, oh, there they go, there they go, there they go. This is where, where we're going with our mental health and having a relationship to our thinking. Uh, this is one of my favorite topics, but our thinking is a beautiful, amazing thing and having a relationship to it is amazing and knowing it's not us necessarily. It's part of us. Really exciting. The spiritual aspect of us, having passion, feeling connected to nature, to each other, to purpose, all the different types of rituals and practices around meaning, whether that's holidays or birthdays or a spiritual tradition that's important to us, 
having that sense of meaning, belonging, connectedness, that's spirituality. It's also practices, contemplative practices, practices that have meaning, that give us meaning, that express meaning, that connect us to meaning. And finally, let's talk about the sexual. And I don't just mean intercourse. I don't just mean genital sex. I mean our desire, our lust, our creativity, the things that we want to create in the world our interest in new things, in learning, the projects we take on. This is all about creativity, sexuality, life force energy. How in touch are we with that? The newness, the adventure, all of this. Enjoying life. And it also includes our sexuality as traditionally defined. Is our sexuality what we want it to be? Each of us gets to say for us what we want that intimate part of our life to be. But most of us have some room to build that energy and expand our enjoyment of sex. And what does that look like for us? That's all part of sexuality. So we're paying attention to all of these aspects in turn as they appear and understanding that they all play a part in our freeing up of our energy and our healing of trauma, our healing of the separation from our life force energy. And often that starts with the big traumas and then it gets closer and closer to like, oh my gosh, like on a cultural level, on a societal level, moment by moment, am I able to be true to myself? Or how often am I pushed out of myself into a more traumatized state where I'm not acting from presence? And the more of this work that we do, the more we have connection to our physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, and sexual selves, the less we're knocked around. And what you can see is you can see that there's all kinds of different personal development and containers in the world. And they usually are really strong in some aspects and not so strong in others. And my experience of the medicine and the work I do with my clients is that all these aspects get moving. And usually it's like, one will come up for one client and one will come up for another. And that I need a really strong container that I can meet or have a team member who can meet whatever is being brought up in that person because it doesn't fit into neat little boxes. Life doesn't fit into neat little boxes and the medicine doesn't allow us to stay in neat little boxes. So the integration needs to hold a lot. And I'm wildly passionate about doing that and following each person's energy as spurred on by the medicine. I think what you'll often see in containers is lack of balance. And I'll give you some generalized examples. And again, this is not judgment. This is to help you see how sometimes, for example, the sexual containers, sexual healing, they often lack physical ground and strength. 
and you see this in the incredible number of violations that happen in those containers. You also see this in the psychedelic containers where you're having big energy on the spiritual and sexual side, but not the root chakra ground that can hold presence and hold space for the energy. And people get knocked around and violations happen. You often find spiritual containers that lack financial resources. Another example of a little bit out of balance. So for a time, for example, going back to the spiritual sexual piece, for a time, we might, and I've certainly in my journey, engaged in very high energy spiritual and sexual containers and spiritual sexual that didn't have the ground. And I did that and was able to do some amazing healing work, but it wasn't able to hold all the way through. And I also suffered as a result and do not recommend those containers to people as a result. I've tried to pull in the power whilst keeping the presence. That's going to evolve over the years. But it's something to keep in mind that you can definitely go out into container. Another example is mindset. I've done some amazing mindset work. Mindset work is so powerful. Highly recommend it. And they don't tend to be the best with big emotions. They tend to want the positive thinking and feeling. And when it comes to big expressions of grief and rage, they're not always there and they don't always understand that being the vibrational match to what you want does not just include feeling positive. It includes emotional energy, which includes all the, the feelings and that you can't actually have that emotional energy without including all the feelings. But it can still be incredible incredibly powerful and useful. But having this kind of framework lets you go, okay, you can be conscious of about it and say, all right, so this container is helping me in this way, but, but it's not the whole story. And where some of these containers get dangerous is they claim to be the whole story and they pull you along. And the further you get, the more out of balance you are capable of getting. Not always, but I see it happen and I've experienced it for sure. Another great example of this would be in running and weightlifting and fitness communities, you will often see emotional blocks. People who are super in touch with the emotional side of themselves. And in therapeutic communities, you will often see a lack of physical health. Not always. These are like super generalizations, but you will often see a kind of like, I remember, oh my gosh, in my group therapy training, they would serve apple pie and cookies at break. Nothing wrong with apple pie and cookies, but if I'm doing deep work at the sugar, it's not going to work for me at this time in, in my, in my healing. And, and I generally, I'm not against sugar as a rule, but I generally think that nourishing whole foods are much, much, much better and that we do all need to move every day. We need that. And um, that's something that absolutely never came up in my therapy training, which is so fascinating. Many therapists are on very holistic healing journeys. I'm not painting them all in one way or another. It's just you can see tendencies and patterns over time. The other thing you, you sometimes see is spiritual containers that banish the sexual entirely. 
So that's another way. And that can come out in shadow. And we see that over and over again. And we see that in our culture when sexual energy becomes shadow and is used for power and harassment. This is and all kinds of dark things happen when it comes to sexuality, when the actual impulse is so beautiful and gorgeous and juicy, but it gets thwarted when it's not used with integrity and nervous system resonance in consent. So those are some examples. I'm talking about all these aspects very explicitly, but it can also just be the energy of various environments in which you find yourself. Like there are some functional medicine doctors who are super open to emotional work and can really hold emotions. Like, I don't want us to have like blinders on about like, we have to do this and that we don't, but to be aware of the different energies and know that there are places for them and that the potential for imbalances exists and to notice ourselves and be aware of this is super, super helpful in our healing journey. And this is what, in my experience, helps us integrate medicine work at a really efficient way. One of my clients said, you make healing efficient, just like a trader. And I do still have that part. We don't have to do everything, but when we have a broad toolbox and we hone in on what the medicine is bringing up for us and we're aware of a multiple number of possibilities, it will move faster rather than just saying, well, this is what you gotta do. You gotta journal in this one notebook. And that's going to keep things narrower than it needs to be. So my intention for this is as a framework for seeing what is most helpful and what is possible for ourselves. The way that I work with this with my clients is I have something called the awareness tool, which is a 25 question questionnaire that they do periodically throughout their time with me that kind of hones us in on where are the places we can pay attention to? So when someone new starts in expand, for example, they do the awareness tool and I can see, oh, okay. So if we pay attention right here to crying. They give themselves a one out of 10 on I cry often. I know that just having the intention to even feel a little bit teary is going to free up a lot of energy and is worth way more time than say meditating when they already have a really strong connection to themselves and they feel quite calm in their mind. So we can really hone in on, on the areas that might be helpful and take our time. Some of the areas are really tender, money, sex, these things, we don't just dive and go for them, but it gives us that North Star to say, all right, here's some work that we can do. And here's some new ways of thinking about it. If this episode of Aliveness resonated with you, I would be so grateful if you would leave a review on your podcast app. Reviews make it possible for me to connect with more people just like you who are looking for inspiration and guidance on their journey to create a full, juicy life filled with aliveness. Be sure to subscribe so you get all the juicy episodes to come. And if you have a friend who is deep into their personal growth and healing journey, share this podcast with them too. Now go out and experience the aliveness that's here for you today.